So we're going to get started. Um, let me pray for us, and if there's anybody out there, now's the time to come on in. Father God, above all, this morning we want you to be honored. We want to remember what you've shown us. And may all of our attention be drawn back to you. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. It's really appropriate to have George and Cheryl right in front of me uh, for a lot of reasons, because they've walked with us for a long time, and especially through the crazy. That's uh, how Steph and I usually refer to it, is the crazy. I want to give you a heads up where we're headed tonight. I may several times call it this morning, because I'm not used to us meeting at night. Um, for our branches community, for some of the shoreline community here, some of the just community in general. Um, the reason that we did it tonight is for several reasons. Um, number one, it was a year ago today that God really kind of opened up the floodgates to show us him. Uh, and one of our friends, uh, a guy named George Wakeling, we were with him and um, I don't get to see him that often. He's kind of a Facebook guy. He's a great guy. He was a pastor at Ocean Hills for a long time, and we've been friends um, for a while. And um, he's an old guy. That's how he refers to himself. And I bet you're wondering how I'm defining an old guy to see if you fit in that category. He's in his 80s. So if you're in that category, yes, we consider you old. <laughs> and he said that everything that happened, he called it a community miracle. And I love that, that phrase, and so we've stolen it from him because it wasn't just for me, it wasn't just for our family, it wasn't just for branches, it wasn't even just for the Southern California area. God used this to draw attention to him. The word miracle is, um, it's often, so if you know anyone named Simon or Simeon, that's the word for miracle, one of the words used for miracle. And that word literally means a sign. So a sign that's pointing to something else. So especially in the book of John, it's almost the only word he used was Simeon, sign. So he talked about all the signs that Jesus did. And the purpose of those signs were to point to something else. We weren't just supposed to sit at the miracle of someone being healed or of um, the feeding of the 5,000 and just sit around that and stare at it. It was to draw our attention back to God. And so when we talk about this being a community miracle, community sign, the, the importance is to point somewhere else. So it's the holidays, you've gone for your long drives, and if you're in California and you're driving, it really doesn't matter if it's lunch or dinner, it could be pretty much any time, and you see the in and out sign, and they come in all different kinds of shapes and sizes. My favorite one is where the burger's actually 3D sticking out. And there's some kind of motor in there that makes smoke come up, so you can, it looks like it's a warm, hot, like, double-double. If you see that, and you're driving, you don't, you don't pull over and start taking selfies in front of the sign. We made it. We're at the sign. You don't park out there. in and out who paid the, however many thousands of dollars to have that billboard there and pays for it to be there, they don't want you to stop there. They want you to go two exits down and turn right. And in terms of this miracle, we don't believe that the purpose is for everybody to just keep staring at me and go, look, he's still here. Let's take a selfie next to him. By the way, I had somebody do that a couple Sundays ago. 
And they came in, hey, we've been praying for you. Can I have a picture? And I said, oh, a selfie with it? And they, no, just you by yourself. And I was like, uh, awkward. So that's me like pulling over and taking a picture of the in and out sign. So the purpose of tonight is to not go, okay, good, he's still here. Now we can go. We want to remember what God has done and what he's pointing us to. And there are so many of us that learned so many different things that were drawn, our lives were are changed. But changed in the sense that it turned us to him. Where we would go two exits down and turn to be closer to him. And it looks different for many of us. So we asked, um, we, we, there's not enough time and um, I didn't have enough time to make that many people feel uncomfortable to ask them to come and share. So there's just a few people they're going to share, but I, um, I'll start with Hoku. Uh, there was a song, um, so while Hoku's getting set up, I'll give you the background that I knew. I remember being in the hospital, tubes everywhere, and Steph came up with her phone and said, um, Hoku wrote this song because um, of everything God's doing in their lives, and so she wrote this song, and so she played it out of her little phone, and, and I heard it, and it was one of the moments I was conscious, and so I asked Hoku if she would do it, and she's like, oh, okay, fine. So here's her, okay, fine. <laughs> he literally asked me this afternoon if I would play the song. <laughs> and I think I've played it like a handful of times since I wrote it last year because it's obviously not the best memory. <laughs> um, I mean, it is. It is now, but it was a really difficult time when this song came out of me. So um, basically this song, at the point that I wrote this song, I, you know, I think some people have the gift of, like, really having a lot of faith. <laughs> that's not, unfortunately, that's not my gift. I'm working on it. But um, when bad things happen, I tend to go to the very worst case scenario. And things were really turning south with Boog. And, and I thought, okay, this is it. Like, we're losing him. Like, it's over. And <laughs> I'm going to start crying. <laughs> um but I was, what I, and I, my, you know, what I do when I get really emotional is, like, just start writing songs. <laughs> it's, like, what comes out of me. And um, it felt like, like, but then as I, don't, I wanted to write a song that I felt like would be what Boog would want. <laughs> like, I don't know how to explain it. I'm sorry. I'm not explaining myself well. But I wanted it to be, like, Boog wouldn't just sit there. He wasn't just sitting there and like letting whatever was happening overtake him. He wasn't losing his faith. He wasn't, you know, giving up on God and his ability to heal him. He was hanging in there and he was fighting. And um, and so I wanted to write a song from that perspective that would honor him and that, you know, that he would be proud of, even if he never got to hear it. But anyway, um, okay. <laughs> Hopefully I can get through it without bursting into tears, but <laughs> we'll do our best. Um, it's called The Storm. Oh, there we go. <laughs> the storm is high. breaking and I'm afraid 
Thank you. Thank you, Hoku. My name is Jeff. I'm sure a lot of you that have been with Branches know who I am, but I am a participant in Boog, and I'm a participant at Branches, and he asked me to speak here because I think I represent everybody out there and how sometimes we become participants in these miracles. And as timing had it, I was up in L.A. As we all know, Boog was at UCLA getting treatment, and uh, my wife had big plans for us. Uh, she got us tickets to go to the Motley Crue concert. <laughs> so that was my Christmas present. We went up and we were going to stay in L.A. It was their farewell, farewell tour, and uh, we went up to L.A. We drove up. My mom was kind enough. Uh, she's been taking our kids to the Rose Parade, so she offered to do it again that year. And the kids were away. We had the perfect opportunity. And it was a year ago yesterday that we got a phone call, I believe, or a text from Steph saying that Boog had uh, made a turn for the worse and they were going to reevaluate the following day. So we sat in the parking lot at the Staples Center and said a little bit of a prayer, uh, went in and tried to enjoy as much as we could what we remember Motley Crue being. Um, but uh, we went home that night and my wife just kept uh, asking me, do you feel like you need to go pray for him? And I'm like, ah, Boog's fine, man. Boog's going to battle through this. It's going to take care of itself. We're going to do our prayer, and uh, everything's going to be great. Um, the next morning, we wake up, and we find out that Boog is not going to make it. Or at least that's the diagnosis at the time. So my wife... And all of her glory said, do you want to go pray over him? And a lot of you at Branches heard me talk about a trip to Nicaragua where we prayed over people and uh, there was healing going on. But I think that that was a real turning point, turning point in my life just because I started to understand the power of prayer. Um, it's amazing when... You, what you guys did at Branches out at the, the community center at Baby Beach, getting together, the power of prayer, and people who are going to think alike. But uh, there's also a fear involved when you pray because there's a fear of failure, that the prayer won't come true. But I think a lot of times for me, it's a fear what happens if the prayer comes true. <sighs> but uh, went to the hospital and prayed over Boogie. And I've got to be honest, as much as I know that we are pray as a church, it was incredibly selfish of me to pray over Boogie. And the reason I say that is because I knew that my faith is what it is because of him. So I was praying that the Lord would keep him, would keep him in my life because I wasn't done. He's not done. So we got into the hospital. Boog was in a, in a coma, plugged in like I've never seen anything plugged in in my life. And uh, it was just myself, my wife, uh, Stephanie, and Boogie. And we laid hands on him. And it might have been probably one of the most aggressive prayers <laughs> that I remember having in my life. And there was anger. And there was pain. But I just demanded that he leave him here, that he brings him back somehow, some way. 
And that is something that has resonated with me. Obviously, we have the joy of having Boogie here and being able to spend the last year with him and every day moving forward with him. But for me and my family, prayer is something that we've learned how to do. I've learned that I can be direct. I, can, I learned that I can demand. And I learned that he's going to listen. And I learned that I need to pray with more intention. So for me, my challenge to everybody and to encourage everybody is pray. Pray with a friend. Pray with a family. Because you better be ready. Because he's going to move you. He's going to move you. And as good as those prayers can be, there's going to be some ugly involved. There's going to be some uncomfort. One day you're going to be in front of a group of people trying to get through a, <laughs> trying to get through a spiel like this and encourage everybody. But I am up here because there is so much joy in my heart because of the foundation that Boogie has put here at Branches and the foundation that he has put in my family and the dedication he's shown me. So I encourage everybody and I challenge you, pray, pray, give it to him and he will, he will answer, he will always provide. But that's it and I'm just thankful that Boogie's here and I'm thankful for everybody at this church from my family, we love you. So I want to invite um, my wife up with me. I'm going to share, and then she's going to share, and then uh, we will get close to closing up. You can whistle. It's okay. It's normal. It happens all the time when she comes up. So, um, so you can either stand here, you can sit, whatever works best. But I'll, I'll share briefly, um, and then she's going to share, and then uh, I'll give us some direction after that. So for all of us that have shared, it's, it's hard to pick what to share. But um, there's something very specific that I feel God um, wants me to share while I'm still here. And, and I've shared it a lot, and I'm going to keep sharing it. I'm just going to keep doing it over and over again because I feel it's one of the primary messages God has given me. And um, it happened uh, on this day a year ago. And um, so it was on New Year's Eve, and so it, I don't know the times because uh, uh, I was in a coma. I didn't realize that actually till. Last night and today when we were going through it, she goes, no, you're in a coma. You didn't hear. I go, oh, I heard. And then I told her what I heard. She goes, oh, okay, I guess you're awake. But the, um, what had happened was is, is New Year's Eve, um, we had made an agreement, you know, through this time of me going in and out that we wanted the kids to be taken care of. And so the kids, we didn't want them to be stuck at the hospital all the time and have to deal with this nonstop. So we have a tradition with our life group for New Year's Eve. And so uh, Steph had, we talked about it ahead of time, going back down, and she never wanted to leave my side. She wanted to stay there the whole time, but she left and drove down to San Diego, and when she pulled up, um, they called and said, you need, to, you need to get right back up here and bring the kids with you, and so she drove the however many hours with traffic and everything down. She drove, they drove down, and then they drove back, and um, so from my perspective, I didn't know what day it was until... I'm sitting there with my eyes closed. I couldn't open my eyes, which makes a lot more sense now. And I heard her say, Happy New Year. But it wasn't a happy sound coming out of her. I could tell she was crying. And I knew she was, it, it felt, well, we'll see if I'm right. She'll correct me. I'm pretty sure she was to my left. Were you to my left? Yeah. Okay. She was my left. And 
I felt completely embraced by her. And in the midst of that, it was the first time that I was able to accept that she loves me unconditionally, as much as another human being could. And because I'd always doubted, and you know, for whatever reason, I'm not worth this. And we all experience that to some degree or another, and we transfer that to the Lord as well. Like, I'm not worthy of this kind of love. It, it, it must be for everyone else, but not for me. How does my spouse or how do my kids, how can someone completely love me? And so in that moment, though, for the first time in our marriage, I allowed myself to be unconditionally loved by her. And then I was, I don't know how to describe this, and I've tried in different ways, but I was in the presence of the Lord. I hadn't died that I know of, or the doctors told me, but I was in his presence, but it was still, I couldn't see his face, but I knew that he was there. And it was the first time that I felt unconditionally loved by him. And as much as I felt Steph's love, it is nothing compared to that love. And it was like, none of your senses, none of my senses, it wasn't sight, touch, smell, it was just this other sense, this other, it it was like waves almost of his love. It was overwhelming and so good. And in the midst of that, in our conversation, which mainly he, him talking to me just being in awe, was he started bringing faces to mind, started bringing faces of people, many of you, um, and, and said, they're going to be here with me. And I, I got this other sense from him, Boog, you're going to be surprised of the population of heaven. It's going to be way bigger than you imagined. Everyone down there, all of us, we like, well, if you do this and you do this and if you accept the Lord and you do this and you do this, then you get to get in. And it was almost like he said, it's much bigger than that. I love you and everyone so much and I want them to know. And if I could share anything with you, it's that. I need to remember that all the time when I get irritated or frustrated or I get worried about things that I think matter. In that moment, all the stuff that didn't matter just washed away finances, timing, people that were irritated with me or people I thought were irritated with me or, you know, what about my kids? What about everything was like, no, it's all good because he has it. He has everything. And like I said, I don't know how to communicate that to, to give it its, its due. But I'm telling you from someone that saw him, that heard from him, that he wants you to know that you are loved and you are worth him coming and dying for. I don't care what, his, what lies you've heard or what lies you're believing, but they don't match up with that. For God so loved us that he sent his son. Um, Steph has so much to share. Obviously, it's her words that really were probably the most impacting to everyone um, while I was in the hospital. So um, I'll let her share whatever she's going to share. Sorry, I'm cracking up because Christmas Eve Eve, um, my daughter was in the front and she was grabbing the microphone. She had to sing in front, which is really cute. But in the middle of Silent Night, she's going, I don't think my mic's working. Is it on? Can you hear me? This this is a really proud mom moment. (laughs) (laughs) 
And it wasn't her mic. It was really for all the angels. It was but for she, everyone, but she yeah. had and we gave her directions. Right don't, I told her right before. I said, don't grab the mic and put it. It's not your <laughs> mic. Okay. Anyway, I just had flashbacks when I was tapping my mic. And I probably will forever. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, well, first of all, um, it's just such an honor um, just to be here and to see you. I, standing in the back today, it felt like almost a bit of a reunion for some of you we haven't seen for a while. And, um, and then, of course, it also feels like we're home with family. Um, and when Boog asked for me to share... I typically am like, Ugh! which is kind of the way it's always been, where I'm, I don't feel like that would be a great thing. But um, I think that because of this beautiful, ugly, this has been one of the things where the Lord has been really clear and spoken really loud and clear to me that he has a lot of things to share through our family. And um, so I'm doing this out of obedience <laughs> to him and out of love for my husband. Um, when Boog first said that he wanted to talk about this miracle, um, the Lord immediately spoke to me and um, said, the miracle is in my presence. And I was like, huh? <laughs> what? <laughs> but when I think about Hoku's song, <laughs> and the presence of God that she was able to experience, and Jeff's prayers, and the presence of God that came into his life at that moment, into his family, and what he was able to experience, and then me, who thought there is absolutely no way that I could handle becoming a widow. I cannot do this. But the presence of God that came into every second of this year, of this day last year, it is incredible. And I could say that I wouldn't want to do it all over again, or that it was a nightmare because it was, and that there was a lot of sacrifices that went on in our family and a lot of ugly and horrible, horrible things. But the fact that we all were able to experience the presence of God is really, truly, in my eyes, the miracle in itself. And we could say that <clears throat> it was just this one thing, but it's not. This, to me, Boog talks about this incredible love that washed all over him. <laughs> this is available to us every second, <laughs> every minute, every hour of every day. That we are able to, in the most incredible times in our lives and the darkest times in our lives, cling to a God who lives, <laughs> who is with us who will cause us to become something new. To me, there, there is no other great miracle. That is it. <laughs> I keep seeing these pictures of a new year. It's going to be a great new year. Everything's going to be better and different. 
But I don't think it's about a new year. I think it's about a God who makes all things new, who raises the dead and gives them life, who allows us to live a life of cleanliness after being sober, who shows us that we can walk through some of the darkest things and walks with us, who walks us through abuse or heartache or pain. I just desperately wish that everyone understands or could understand that that is the miracle, that our God lives with us and he is among us, that his presence changes us. And that will give you an incredible 2017. That's it. We have got to be willing to accept the fact that this God loves us desperately, that his presence wants to be called upon. And when we decide to do that, life is different. It's new, it's exciting, it's amazing. And even in the darkest times, I mean, I can't tell you how many times people ask me, how did you do that? How did you get through that? I'm like, it was God's presence. That's it. He was so with us. And honestly, I would do anything for that. I would even go through worse to be able to experience God in ways that I did through all of that. Um, when I was, Boog asked me to share um, John 19 and 20 came to my head immediately. Um, chapter 5, sorry. And there's this, this whole, it's, it's a, just a little bit, but um, Jesus was talking, and he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself unless it is something he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, these things the Son also does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself is doing. And the Father will show him greater works than these, so that you will marvel. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son also gives life to whom he wishes. This life that we get to experience is amazing. I am so grateful that Boog is here with us, that we've been able to spend a year together and experience God in such incredible ways. But that is nothing in comparison to the life that God gives us. It's amazing. And I just pray that tonight that you would experience God's presence, that you would understand the truth in that, and that the real miracle is that we we get to love and serve a living God who is with us in all things. That, to me, is the greatest miracle. Um, I'm the one that's going to close us up, and then I'm going to invite the... Um, Jaron Hoku to come and lead us in worship.
it, it's, I want to make sure we have a, I want to make sure to thank so many of you for praying and so many people that um, aren't here that are listening to this later on the podcast. Um, I'd like to thank specifically, because you all played a part in this coming about. God uses, God answers prayers and he does it through us. I mean, that's why we commission the Blums as we are sending them out, because we're sending them out as ministers. We're sending them out to make a difference. We're sending them out to change the world. And many of you have changed the world in the way that you loved us. Um, I mean, the Mickelsons moved into our house and cared for our kids while we were up there for a few months. And the, the entire mall family surrounded us and looked out for us and cared for us. Um, they adopted us as a family a while ago, and then now they're living this out even more than we could have ever imagined because none of us saw this coming. Um, you know, our branch is family. We could go on and on and on. And that, that particular night that um, we kind of we make it our altar moment when in the Old Testament when people would come face to face with God, they would build art altars of, of rocks. And so that, this day is an altar for us. It's like my new birthday, but it's also an altar for us to remember. So January 1st, New Year's Eve is, is different for, for us from now on. And on that night, um, Jaron Hoku were there, Shane was there. I was told this later, obviously. Um, George and Cheryl were there. Um, my wife was there. And God used all of you. And so I want to I close my last words um, with continuing on my time with the Lord and what he showed me. After that moment of just being overwhelmed with his love and, and just when that happens, you're set free. And, and I heard him ask me the question, and I've shared about this before, so I won't go into the details of it. It wasn't a question like giving me a choice. I think he was giving me the question for me to, to wrestle with it. He said, do you want to come home? I mean, bathed in that love, oh, yeah, that's where you want to go. Uh, do you want to come home, or do you want to stay here? And as I thought about all those faces, and I thought about all of you, and I thought about the people that didn't yet know this love, I just said, God, I, I want to stay here. I want to stay here forever. That's torture. But I'm, I'm not done. Like, I, I want to share. I want people to know this love. I don't want people to live this life without that. And so, again, people had to tell me this later because I knew it happened on the first. But um, at 7.30 p.m., and I know this because of Jer's Instagram. I found this out later. Um, but at 7.30, I woke up, and Steph was, you know, everybody's saying, you're, you're going home. And um, so Steph goes, you know, I had all this stuff in my mouth, so I'd have to communicate like this. And either I'm not good at communicating like this, or she's not good at understanding me communicating like that. I'm going to blame it on her. So every time I did that, she'd go, oh, so you want to go home? You ready to go? <laughs> she's trying to get rid of me? What is the deal here? No, that's not what just happened. And so I was trying to communicate to her, you know, with a ventilator. That you, you, words don't work, so it was all having to write things down. And um, So I, I asked for the pad of paper, and I wrote in scratch, and um, uh, one of my closest, dearest friends was right there, John Norton, and he's looking at it, and, and he's like, what the heck? This guy can't write. And so he, he's like, I don't know what he's trying to say. And so he gives it to Steph, and Steph says, oh, he wrote, it's not over. And that came from the scripture that God gave to me in that time of prayer. He says, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. 
And I knew that I wanted to live so that people would know about Christ's love. Not about Jesus, not about religion, about Jesus and his love for us. Not about theology, not about, about his love. That's, and I'm like, that's what I'm here to do. And it's not over yet. Now, that doesn't mean I'm going to live forever. Who, we, Steph and I know very clearly, we don't know how many days I have. But I want to tell you something. You don't know how many days you have. Why are you here? Have you thought about that? Because I got to think about that. What would you do if you were in the bed right there and the Lord faced you? What would you say? Do you want to go home or do you want to stay? If you're going to stay, what are you going to be here to do? It's not here just to get, to get, to get, to get. It's to give. That's why we're here on this earth. And so many of us have been trained by everything around us to get, to get, to get. Even at church, I, I need to go to get filled up. Huh? That's not what this is about. We come to receive, to give. By looking at his love, by looking at him, then we are able and inspired and empowered and sent out. We aren't just sending out the blums today. We're sending all of us out. You can choose to accept that call or not, but God has chosen you. He's called you to himself, and he wants to send you out for the little bit of time that you have here on earth because you have a purpose, a purpose to share this love, to share this goodness. That sign, what happened, is a reminder to all of us to turn to him and to be saved, but not just like, whoo I'm saved. No, you're saved so that you can give. For God so loved that he gave. And just as he loved us, so we must love one another. You have a purpose here, and it is not to get fat. And I'm not talking about pounds here. I'm not talking about kilos. I'm talking about just you're never going to be satisfied. You get that joy from sharing with others, from giving your life away for the purpose of others. And this isn't just, a, like Steph said, it's not just a 2017 thing. This is a life thing. For however many days you have left, you are here to give. And so I want to pray for us. I was back with Brad, and he's like, are you nervous about sharing? I go, I'm just nervous that I'm not going to shake people hard enough because I just want you to know how much he loves you, and I want you to know that he has called you to something beautiful. At our church at Branches, we always make people uncomfortable, but it's not because we like that feeling of making people feel uncomfortable. We want them to see what they can do when they step out. Steph and I are nothing special. For those of you that know us well, you know that. And you think that about yourself. But when you step out, God is going to do the miraculous. And other people are going to look. And hopefully they won't get stuck at looking at you. Hopefully they will look at you and it will redirect them to him, to the one that provides life, the one that provides peace. So I'm going to invite our, our worship team up. And they're going to lead us in prayer. Um, there's two communion stations. There's not going to be anybody on the other side of that. So you take of the bread, and you dip, and you take of the communion. But remember the Lord's words. On the night that he was betrayed, he said, remember. He said, remember. This is my body, which is broken for you. Remember. This is my blood, which was shed for you. And also, um, as Janet does she makes something beautiful she created journals that are back there if there's something that you know you need to remember it could be from this experience or something else but something that the lord told you to remember and how you're supposed to move forward maybe maybe it happened tonight maybe it happened this year maybe it happened years ago and you forgot it 
Because we know through this whole experience that people that have walked away from the Lord or gotten distracted came back. And maybe that's you tonight. Then write that down. And once you write it down, it's stuck on that paper. So that's there for any time during this worship. They're going to do like three, four songs. Um, and then when, when they're done, Jerry's going to close us in prayer. And that'll be the end of the night tonight. Um, so I'm going to hand it over to them. Thanks, bud. So we chose songs to, to pray together. Often at branches we talk about these, this is our time of prayer, that someone else has written the words and we get to pray along with them. So we're going to invite you guys into that. We chose songs that kind of de have defined this year for us, uh, songs that are very familiar to us. And, um, but, you know, something that I want to mention is that we're sitting here, we get to say, God, look how great you are. Boog's alive. This is amazing. We get to high-five each other. We have to take a step back from this and say, Lord, you are good, like Steph was saying. You are good always because you are with us. You are good because you are God and we trust you. And so some of us have had experiences this year where things didn't go the way that we wanted. But we still, in the same way, praise God and say, God, we trust you, that you are with us. And we, and so the first song that we chose was, Lord, I need you. Again, it's a prayer, and um, we want you guys to pray with us. <laughs> 